Hello and welcome to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence with design community. And um, today we're going to talk about the topic that's really under discussed lately, which is the development in the AI field. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, like I've been waiting <laughs> for this <laughs> for a long time. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody's just talking about crypto and blockchain. So I think it's time to go into AI. On a more serious note, yes, we are going to go, going to go into the AI field, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. So uh, most of the discussion right now is around the safety of the AI, rightfully so. It's around the, what it's going to do to the job market. But we are interested from the business perspective, from the business design perspective, who could be the winners of this race? Who could be the winners of the AI race? Because what we know is that on the surface, when a new offering, a new category is created, we can think about social media, for example, the first companies entering are usually then not the winners. We can think about the MySpace versus Facebook, which was later, later kind of emerged as the main company in this space. Um, so we want to do something of a thought experiment. So both me and Franz, hey Franz, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of both came up with a list of companies, entities, organizations that are in a good spot to kind of make use of these shift towards the AI, which for us yeah. designers could also be a uh, interesting thing to know maybe how we can shift our career and our work towards which projects. So if you're a freelancer like Tom, you could be like, oh, I need to change the clients. I need to now work for these companies. So Tom, today you're going to learn who you need to work for the next 10 10 years. So um, uh, if you agree, Franz, I would kick it off with my list. Um, yeah, let's kick it off with the list. But no, let's let me first tell you a story that was actually nice for me. So now everybody's talking about AI, right? And now in this preparation for the podcast, I actually had an interesting realization. Um, I was researching about like all these success factors for AI, which companies might be um, which companies might be successful in the best place to be successful. And I read about this AI approaches, machine learning, deep learning, and so on. And then it reminded me of something that I experienced. I thought back and I think it was 2015, starting from 2015, when I started to work in consulting. So I was working in consulting specifically in innovation management. And we did innovation strategy work and a lot of trend research also for tech and R&D teams. And I remember that on in every trend research, 2015, 16, in every trend research, there was data is the new oil. Mm -hmm. Data is power, machine learning, deep learning. Like I wrote, like it was in every trend research, 2015. It was just copy paste. Exactly, exactly. And I also remember that all these trends were mostly, well, they were just there, right? Yeah. So as us as consultants, it was not only our job to create these lists, but we also tried to have like create opportunity areas out of it for innovation strategies. So where should these companies go? And we did this usually together with the company leadership and all these trends like data is the new oil, the machine learning, deep learning, these trends, they were basically the leftover trends. And some engineer like just said, well, that's my domain. I'll take care of it. 
and we never heard of it again like it was like what do you mean yeah, like engineer on the client side always said oh let on, me uh-huh, uh-huh, okay like cto or some like high level <laughs> tech person said well yeah that's my domain like we don't really know let's not go into more detail i will take it on and it was from this point in time it was gone so we were working on more user-centered stuff we were working more closer stuff and this was kind of we had it on the list in the trend research and then it completely disappeared and i always had the feeling that no one had an idea what it even means yeah and honestly i didn't know what it means and I also still don't know exactly what deep learning and machine learning is. I think I understand the difference now. But the thing is, now, eight years later, I learned this by asking ChatGDP. <laughs> and it's not only about like being able to read this information, but it's more about being able to have the capacity to even, let's say, understand mm-hmm. what it means. Because there are these solutions popping up and everybody's like, trying out and then we get messages in Slack saying, hey, I tried this AI and then somebody says, yeah, I tried this and now I can even understand and comprehend the difference between like different AI approaches and already 2015, I was writing this in a trend research and I did like, that's almost 10 years ago and now I feel like this is more of a story of like consultants bullshitting their way through projects then (laughs) (laughs) i i obviously there will have been people working on this and having more um knowledge about it but it's i mean i never pretended that i knew more about this stuff it was also important it was also interesting from the perspective of these tech people in these companies who are just like yeah i'll i'll take it on we're on it (laughs) (laughs) maybe they were on it and it just took until 2020 three to, to to get out because yeah i agree like also i was in the consulting uh space around that time 2015 2018 and that was kind of a, a hot topic you know uh circular economy ai all of these things um and it sometimes just takes time until this technology matures and it does seem we didn't have the imagination to know what it what's going to be but now we are here and we kind of experiencing it firsthand so yeah it's true. clear that is the future and present um sorry I, I did i interrupt your story did you have anything else <laughs> are you waiting for more i don't know maybe there is a <laughs> and that then he came back and you know, you know what he did he and was some this Altman. is the founder this is of ChatGPT. <laughs> yes, this is some Altman. <laughs> I met him in oh. Austria. In those... Yeah. Um, well, judging by by his name, he could have some German, Austrian, Swiss heritage. But another topic. Um, Alrighty. So let's go into the categories of companies that could benefit from this switch. Obviously, the first one I think everyone think of is just the providers of these solutions. So you think about open AI. I also learned about UiPath, which is some kind of software robot that helps you automate tasks and so on. So it's basically companies that um, provide this capability, so to say. So that's the obvious one and I wouldn't spend too much time on it unless you have something to add here. Nope. Then the second level, the second bucket of companies that I think 
um, are very well positioned to benefit from this are companies that have a lot of data that have used the last 10, 15 years to collect really useful data. So think about companies like Quora, which has a lot of questions uh, answered. Think about companies like Reddit, same thing there, uh, very contextual data, what people think, how people answer questions, um, their emotions and so on. Twitter, obviously, with the same thing. And uh, I'm not sure if you've, have you seen that Twitter is changing the way they're treating their API? No. So I think it dawned upon all of these companies that actually, wait a minute. So OpenAI has used our data to train itself. This means we could either monetize this or we can use it ourselves. So they're kind of becoming much more cautious with who they're giving their data um to be used for training of their AI. And Twitter has changed their API policy. It used to be much more relaxed. And now basically with a free API access, you only get um, write-only access. So let's say you have a tool, let's say you're a software developer, a founder of a SaaS tool that would let you, you know, like maybe schedule your posts in a different tool and then uh, send it to Twitter. So it basically allows you, so you as a developer, to do that only 1,500 times a month. So imagine you having a tool used by, I don't know, tens of thousands of people, like you would use this in a day. Then there is a basic option, which is $100 per month, which gives you a, a, a way to posting like 50,000, no, 3,000 tweets, uh, 3,000 tweets per month at the user level. And then there's an enterprise uh, API with $42,000 price tag a month. So regardless of the exact pricing, it's more a sign that companies are taking this more seriously because they know that they have something valuable on their hands because now they've seen the result of the uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI's work. So who else is in a similar position? I think Google is, a re Google is in a really good position. Think about all the data that it has from our Gmail, Calendar, Google Docs. So if you could integrate something like AI Assistant within the Gmail, it already has so much data on how you reply to emails. Are you usually more professional with this recipient? Are you more formal, sorry, informal? Um, and it's just, it's a much better kick, uh, kickstart. Is it called kickstart? Is much much better like start than it is with ChatGPT, yeah. which gives you like a default generic uh, tone of voice answer. So I think Google is an obvious one. Then we have obviously Microsoft with their Microsoft Office suite. Um, you know, imagine all the data that's being captured there, and then I think they're already using it now by integrating yeah. ChatGPT in there. Uh, maybe a little bit less obvious. Maybe it's also Slack with all the data that's in there about company decisions, uh, which could help also then take the future decisions. There's Amazon with your commerce, e-commerce data from, from the past. Then there is Apple, obviously. And there's also like Salesforce, HubSpot. So all these companies with like these really interesting data that they have acquired over the last 10 years are in a really good spot to make use of this. Mm. That's it. Do you have any 
That was now the. Can you help me understand the buckets again? The one that is, is now companies that own interesting data don't have yeah. the AI capability just yet. Well, apart from Microsoft, so all of them are could obviously use uh, yeah. OpenAI or ChatGPT as a layer on top. But they could also say, "Hey, we're gonna use now that we see the potential. We're gonna use and create our own AI department, and we're gonna create our own AI yeah. capability." Because we have the thing that's really hard to get. Because if you just want to yeah. start an AI startup, the thing you don't have is the data. Yeah, I think that was most interesting for me, and I um, thought about this and did the research. That, of course, you need your experience with AI, uh, like I don't know, toolkits, um, knowledge, uh, and like everything that goes into the AI itself. Um, then, I mean, infrastructure, computational power, yeah, you can buy that, I guess. But this, like, owning the data and having the data and having an industry that is also able to be advanced through data is, I think, the core factor that will f create the first wave for successful AI solutions. So the interesting thing here is, does a company have already like these diverse offerings that feed data into AI and also then benefit from AI. Mm -hmm. And then you are at exactly what you said, right? But even like that was still very digital. Like, we can still think about healthcare or finance or manufacturing even. So all of this where you have years and years of data that you own and then you can use it to optimize, um, I don't know, risk assessment in finance yeah. or manufacturing processes waste and so on so i think this having your vertical and having your operations where you can where ai can benefit in the first wave might be actually the the core factor because in the end chat this like our chatbot that we're using um yeah it's like how do you answering call, stuff call it chatbot <laughs> it's a bit more Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is more, but it's like, it's it gives me answers. It's like Google on steroids, right? But it's not like the where the magic is, I think in this first wave of successful AI solutions is where you really have your own vertical, your own operations, and then using AI to actually boost this. Totally, yeah. So either you already need to have this data or you need a partner that's going to give you this data. Yeah, but in the best case, you you own this vertical and you are the finance company and you are the healthcare company or you are the manufacturing company. So you can actually boost your own business because otherwise, why would a manufacturing company give this data to another company to do something with it? So that's why I think the first wave of successful AI companies will actually be, be companies that use AI for their own processes. In a way that they come up with better decisions for the company or with new products? Being more successful in the market that they are in. So offering new, so both you're saying basically. Yeah, both. exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could be that you have maybe some smaller companies that don't have enough resources to actually kick this off. Then I think this partnership also comes into play. Yeah. I think one big kind of elephant in the room in this space is governments. You know, like governments around the world have so much data. They have so much data that they could start optimizing the way they just... I mean, yeah. if you think about the whole, you're not convinced. 
No, that's such a weird topic because I also researched like the companies that are like at the moment the most successful ones. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you have the Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, yeah. everything that you just said. But then what comes really what comes up really quickly is China, companies from China. Uh, and yeah. most of them are many of them are um national bank backed. Mm. And that's like that's why I was immediately like, yeah, might might be true for some parts of the world, might not be true for others. So what I mean with this, like, okay, let's have a look at the public healthcare system. There's so much data on patients, which hopefully is anonymized when being trained with AI and so on. But there's so much data when it comes to, I don't know, public development, urban planning and so on that can be used to take better decisions, faster decisions to, you know, optimize the the the. Yeah, the governmental services, so to say. So that's where my mind went, not into like surveillance per se, but more like, hey, there's so many things that a government, that a country offers to its citizens. So hopefully if they're forward looking, they can see this like, yeah. hey, we are sitting on a gold mine here in a way. Um, we can either outsource this to trustworthy companies to make use of this data to come up with interesting services you know, so maybe like there is a startup that wants to, yeah, maybe make the better predictive model for patients with a specific uh, disease and they need data to just train their AI to do this. And then, you know, by government giving this startup a license, they in return get this service for free, but then private healthcare companies have to pay for it and so on. So I think it's just interesting if you step in the shoes of a startup founder who wants to go into one of these vertical, you will soon realize who owns the data right now. Yeah. And this is the organization or the company that is in a good position to yeah. benefit either by using it itself or by just, you know, licensing that data. Yeah. And I fully agree that when I said you need to own your you need to own or have your own vertical to be successful. I think it doesn't necessarily mean that the finance company and the manufacturing company will have their own AI, but it can also mean that you have um, smaller companies, startups who actually say, well, I'm focusing on this vertical and I'm uh, then being bought by one of, yeah, one of the bigger ones in mm -hmm. this vertical. But still, it seems like the core deciding factor is not only being able to make an AI, but being able, like having this data. Yeah. And here, and one thing that I found interesting is this prediction that Meta, like Facebook Meta, will not be among the winners of the AI race. Mm, tell me more. So the train of thought goes like this. Well, their business primarily focuses on social media, social networking, and ads. And yes, it can benefit from AI, but the lever is almost basically, or the, the potential is almost reached. So this was one of the first parts where you where AI was used for positioning, for targeting, and that's basically almost there. Mm -hmm. And there is not this big lever anymore, like, for example, in finance, in healthcare, where you have huge potential. So 
The first one is, yes, you're almost there. And the only thing you have is ads that make you money. So now, um, if you don't have another vertical where you can actually use your AI to really benefit from it, you are kind of stripped of your opportunities. Plus, if you're Facebook, who is kind of not seen as a very great partner lately because they have been very, they have had very big controversy about data, then you're not going to be the preferred partner of another vertical to do the AI for them. So now you mm. might be able to do AI, but you don't have your own vertical to make use of this AI and nobody else going to give you the data because, well, you're Facebook and Meta and you're not particularly well known for treating data really well, which makes you kind of in a very, really bad place to, to win this game. Yeah, yeah. They do have a lot of... So I agree with like, it. there maybe it, it, on the first... At the first glance, it does seem they're limited with using AI on their own product, but they still have such a huge amount of data, uh, which until now they've poorly used uh, or misused, mistreated even. And as such, it is, yeah, you could you could argue that they shouldn't even enter this space, but there's still like there's such no. an amount of data that they someone will actually uh you know, approach them and ask them if they can access it somehow. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't enter this. I'm more saying, well, they won't be the... The winner. They won't be what they are for social networks <laughs> in mm -hmm. AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Sure. So the next bucket I have is related. So we talked a lot about data right now, obviously. So there are... I don't know if you knew, Franz, but there are already huge companies that the only thing they do is provide high-quality label data to AI companies. So your company trying to develop an AI, and the only way to train it is heaps of high-quality, let's call it clean data. Yeah. Because otherwise you have a junk-in, junk-out problem, right? So you give the the training model bad data or poorly characterized data, you're just going to get bad results out. So there are companies, so they're basically suppliers of data uh, who only yeah. do that. Um, and I you found, know sizes of these companies? Yeah, just, of course. I had a look at one of them. It seems that one of the winners at the moment is a company called Appen, so A-P-P-E-N, uh, I believe it's an Australian company and they do 600 million in revenue. That could be Australian dollars. So if that's the case, then it's a little bit less in the US dollars. Um, so it's not huge yet, but they are very well positioned then now to be, you know, um, contacted by many more uh, companies. And that's one of the things that I found in my research is that AI is one of the rare software products that is very capital intensive and it's exactly for this reason because you need a lot yeah. of high quality clean data so you need people who actually um who basically annotate this data for machine learning and that's just very capital intensive you need a lot of people going through maybe photos maybe language maybe voice to characterize this data you know maybe if it's a photo they need to add hashtags or 
you know, I don't know, annotations of what is on that mm. photo. And this could go into so many details. Just imagine a photo. It's not just about, oh, here's a photo with a front and with a couch and with a plant and, uh, I don't know, door and so on. But it's like the lightning is not the best and front is sitting in the middle. And I don't know, like there's so much texture. It could go into this. It could go yeah. into thousands and thousands of data points for one single photo, for example. Um so I think this is this is another vertical that's going to get very, very big. Uh, these providers are going to get huge. They're definitely going to be one of the winners of this of this space. Um, so and they may need to work with data providers and they're just going to be data cleaners in a way, you know. Yeah. So I found it super fascinating. Um, the next bucket that I found is the semiconductor industry <laughs> obviously they're just benefiting all the way from tech renaissance but also i mean in this case they're gonna be very much needed because you just need gpu uh so for training and deploying the ai models so think about mm -hmm. companies like nvidia intel and so on so that's another big bucket there um yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like um, saying that I really like this, let's say this um, metaphor of being capital intensive and this almost seems to be like building a factory. Like software wasn't that much like this, right? The, big, the biggest upside of software was relatively low um, investment and then stable software as a service um, monetization. Mm -hmm. And now it seems with this, it's more like huge upfront investment um, in creating these, these softwares in itself. Then you need huge computational power. Then you need actually your resources that go into that. So it's almost, it feels like we're talking about brick and mortar again. Yeah, it, it flips the usual model. Like the reason, so, like the investors love software is exactly for this reason. Like it was very um, easy to start a software company and AI seems to be on the other spectrum of this. But now I can hear someone, lis someone listening say, no, it's not true. You can just use OpenAI's API and you can build on top of that. And um, one of the things you have to think when you're starting in, any companies like what is my moat what is my competitive advantage so if i'm just building on top of open ai's api and capability i still need to add some flavor to it maybe that's proprietary data maybe that's i don't know uh, uh certain restrictions that i built into the system itself it's still like you need to do something with it uh, but it's most likely so your own proprietary data that you're adding to it which then you come to the same realization it's like okay i don't need as much data because I'm just focus, focusing on one vertical, but I still need to make my AI different. And this could be done through two things. One is the, the data that I feed into it. And another one could be by just having a lot of users who start to train this data and by reviewing these conversations, you know, fine tuning the algorithm 
it, which is again capital intensive. Yeah. So it's gonna be there's gonna be huge winners here, but I think the profitability of these like I don't know Facebook Meta type of companies that's that's gonna be I I my hypothesis is that it's gonna be lower profitability than it was for for these companies because of higher investment. Yeah, not just upfront, but also then maintenance of these models. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's see. That could be. Hmm. I mean, it's been so early that we just don't know how it's gonna develop. But I just find it interesting thinking this through. Yeah. So, in the end, so let's now just focus on the like AI solution. Let's let's not talk about um, semiconductors. Let's not talk about providing data. Let's talk about who will win who is in the best place to win like the ai solutions game you mean like, like the winner yeah one so for, i've uh, no let, so i'm getting there okay. <laughs> give me a second so first one what so it's what i have what i think is that first it's gonna be winners in the in verticals mm -hmm. so i think first we'll see um, winners who win like not the AI industry but somebody who wins a vertical like somebody mm -hmm. will win chat somebody will win finance somebody will win manufacturing and so on so going into these actually applications and it's not going to be one company because it's so important to own this data mm -hmm. so that's the hypothesis one right mm -hmm. And then what, what the next step might be is that there is like a platform model. Like when we have these, like on the one hand, you, we know that data is important and um, the other capability is actually being able to create an AI. So I think this in itself will be a market. So almost like um, no-code software. So you have software platforms and tools that enable others to build an AI. And I think right. that's going to be the huge market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you have these verticals. So it's like there's going to be a providers of AI services in terms of the natural language programming, which is like chat. There's going to be yeah. some winners when it comes to the visuals. And then there's going to be providers slash winners when it comes to the voice. And then across, you're going to have these like companies going. That's the vertical. Sorry. Of course, it's horizontal. <laughs> so then you're going to have these companies in these different uh, industries, different niches. Let's say there's going to be a, a company using AI to help diagnose cancer based on the image recognition. So, okay, that's one slice in there. It's probably going to use, uh, obviously, going to use healthcare. Yeah. But within this this yeah. disease, there's going to be a winner. And based, it's going to use probably probably image recognition, obviously, in this case. Yeah. But for, and then, I don't know, for education, let's say math instructor. Again, there's going to be a company providing math instructor, AI solution. And it's going to be probably natural language programming a little bit, maybe a little bit combined with the visuals. Because maybe a kid is going to want to draw something and then take a picture of it. And then AI was going to see it and help kids think this through. Um, am I getting this right? 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And then I think this, and I think the huge opportunity and the thing that we're, that we will see actually also a winner takes it all approach. I think it's going to be AI platforms. So these like, so almost like Amazon web services, mm -hmm. like where are you going to host Amazon web services? How are you going to build your AI? Well, there is one platform. I mean, I think it's going to be a platform war. Mm -hmm. Which so, is, and I, so that's now the sorry, equivalent to this is open eye, right? So like a platform to build on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So basically uh, uh, tools that help others, developers, data scientists, Uh, to like build, train, and then actually also like install AI models. Right. So because the question that I ask myself, like, okay, now we have a completely new market and then we have a few acquisitions. Obviously we have the incumbents with Google and Apple. Um, then we have these new unicorns. But I was asking myself, like, is this a winner takes it all market? Like, will there be one Facebook Will there be one Amazon Web Services? Is this such a market or is this a market that will have like 10 car manufacturers? Mm -hmm. And what do you think? I, I think in this platform thing, we have definitely network effects yeah. that go into like this winner takes it all approach. So if you have a platform, it gets more valuable the more people use it. Mm -hmm. And train it. Um, and train it. And contribute data to it and right. insights and so on. Um, and I think there, because of what you said of this capital intensive thing that we're not like, hey, let's have a relatively cheap software and be able to monetize it relatively early, but have high upfront investment. I think also first mover advantage in this case is something that will help. So I don't know if we will have the MySpace Facebook thing again. Mm -hmm. Or if we actually have, well, who got it right, got it right mm -hmm. thing. So my prediction is like for platform wise, I think it's, it does, it does smell like a winner takes all approach mm. because of the network effects. Uh, and I think Amazon web services is a good, is a good analogy here. But when it comes to these like niche AI product that actually people are going to use, not developers, yeah. that's where I think you're going to have plenty of winners. So it I does seem agree. like almost like uh, the, the, the world we live in now, which is you have you know, Amazon Web Services offering the basically like running the internet and then you have just different businesses built on top of that. Yeah. Um, But then in this case, there's always something called the platform risk, you know, choosing the right platform to build your product on. Because let's say, you know, you invest fully into, oh, I'm going to build my business on top of ChatGPT slash OpenAI. And then, I don't know, in a year, Google comes up with something better. Are you, are you now going to like completely switch? Um, so that is because it's not open source fully, then, you know, there, there is a platform risk at this stage. And if I were yeah. was a huge company, I would. It, it's like a really interesting time. Like, should I go for it? Should I wait and see how it develops? It almost yeah. feels like you can't wait, but at the same time, there is this platform risk that's there. Yeah. True. That's all I got. Got anything else? No. If not, we can wrap yeah. up with. Uh, so, in the 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 relevance for designers. Next time you're in a meeting, just use platform risk. That's the keyword to use. 
capital intensive. Uh, did we mention anything else that was interesting as a keyword, business keyword on this topic? Network effects. Network Just go effects. in and say network effects combined with the platform risk and capital intensive. Uh, a capital intensity of this niche makes me wonder if this is a good investment. And that's it. You're going to earn your salary for the month. Yeah, and vertical and horizontal is also yeah, a good. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I'm not making fun of designers. I'm making fun of business people here. So, <laughs> ready. Um, thanks for listening in. If you listen till now, you may also find uh, our mini MBA interesting. It's a free email course where uh, over seven days you receive seven emails. Each of them teaches you one business concept that's relevant for designers. Uh, no, none of them is platform risk or um, capital intensity or what else do we mention? Network effects. So there's new stuff in there for you. So to sign up, head over to d.mba slash, um, slash mini minus MBA. And uh, you can enjoy a little bit more of the business confidence for your work. I guess that's it for today. Thanks for listening in. And... Uh, see you in the next show. Bye-bye. Bye, friends.